0: Well, good morning, church. Grateful to be with you here at our online service. And we are continuing in our series that we are calling Redeeming Rest. And we find ourselves in this season of life where there's so many different things that have that have changed, that have paused, that have been delayed, that have even been canceled entirely. And what we wanted to do and what we wanted to press into as a church together is... Um, rather than just hoping and thinking oh let's just get back to normal we want to say how can we take advantage of this season how can we um, lean into even this season that we find ourselves in and begin to build into our lives into our spiritual lives uh, new rhythms uh, of connecting with god in a powerful way and we don't just want to have an attitude that says oh, i just can't we just get back to how things were Um, Can't we just move past this? I can't wait to just, quote unquote, get back to normal. Uh, What we want to do is remember that as uh, children of God, that our theological view of the fact that God is in control, that he is in charge, that by his good providence, we are here now for a reason. And God wants to teach us something. God wants to move in our lives and in our hearts. And we want to lean into uh, hearing from him and knowing him. And so today we're going to be looking at this rhythm or maybe uh, you like to call it a spiritual discipline or a pattern in our lives of uh, this idea of slowing down. Many of us find ourselves in a season that we have slowed down in some capacities. In other ways, we've ramped things up. But we want to look specifically at what does it mean as a child of God, as a son of God, as a daughter of God through Jesus Christ to slow down a beat and to hear from God and to not be hurried from one thing to the next, not to always have something on the plate that's coming up, but to slow down and to hear from God most clearly and to create that space in our lives. And so just a moment ago, we heard from the Brownleys, and they read for us uh, the story of Mary and Martha. But before we jump into that text uh, that they read for us, I want to read us the story that comes right before that. Uh, It's a story that Jesus himself tells to his followers. And it's literally the verses immediately before or right before the story, that famous story of Mary and Martha. And it's also found in Luke 10. Luke 10, verses 30 through 37. In both of these stories, what we're going to see, in this story that we're going to look at before, is the story of the Good Samaritan. And I believe that these stories are together, uh, that they're back-to-back, that they're dovetailed together on purpose because we're to learn something about what's going on in these two stories. And what we see in both of these stories is, um, in the Good Samaritan, we see... Uh, Two individuals so busy, so hurried with the things that lie in front of them, that they literally pass over someone in great need of mercy and in great need of help. And there's one person in this story who is the hero of the story, and he stops altogether. He pauses, uh, and he has time and he cares for and gives someone in desperate need of mercy the mercy that they need to be healed and to be restored. And then then Jesus goes on, and there's, a, there's then this, the story of Mary and Martha. And also in that story, you have someone who is hurried and frenzied and going about their business, and there's all these things to be prepared for. And then the hero of that story is the person that sits and receives mercy from the Lord Jesus. And so I think that both these stories are meaning to teach us something profound about this idea of slowing down, about this idea of um, discerning the still small voice of God and resting in the Lord and even being present to give mercy when we slow down and notice what's going on around us and to receive mercy from our Lord Jesus and not just be so busy about our day. So listen to these words in Luke 10, starting in verse 30. uh, Parable of the Good Samaritan. Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so here, this is essentially the first century equivalent of a pastor, this priest. And so he looks and he sees this guy and... uh he, he doesn't have time to stop. Maybe he's afraid of that the robbers are, are, are still there. Whatever's going on. But we know that he just he doesn't pause. He doesn't stop. He looks ahead to all the things he's got going on. And he just walks right by this man in desperate need of mercy, in desperate need of help, and continues on his way. I can't stop now. I've got to go. I've got appointments. Hopefully someone else will take care of him. Right? Jesus goes on. So likewise a Levite when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side and so a levite is not just your average run of the mill sort of pastor in the first century this guy's really important he would be like a, a mega church pastor right or celebrity pastor so this guy's a big deal but he responds the exact same way He's busy. He's got things to attend to. He's got places that he's going. He can't be interrupted here with this guy. And so he sees him, sees a man in need of mercy, in need of help, and goes by on the other side. Jesus goes on to tell this story. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he is. And when he saw him, but a Samaritan, just so you have context here, was a great enemy of God's people. And so those listening would have been shocked by this. Um, I've heard it said that the modern-day equivalent of a Samaritan uh, for us would be like an Al-Qaeda terrorist. And so this would be shocking, right? Scripture says, uh, He came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him. And he bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and then set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then Jesus looks at his followers and he asks this question. He said, which of these three do you think, proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. So the hero in this story is the one who slowed down. The one who even stopped. The one who showed a stranger mercy. Mercy. And Jesus told this story in such a way that there is really only one clear hero in this story. And then right after this, right after Jesus tells us the story to his followers, to you and I, to clearly show who the hero is, the one that had enough space, the one that had enough of of, uh, hearing from the Lord to stop and give care and mercy to this one that was in great need and not just rushing along by him, immediately following the story in the next verse, he tells us about a distracted, rushed, and frantic Martha not sitting at the feet of Jesus, receiving the mercy of God from our Lord. She's anxious. And Jesus juxtaposes Martha, just like he juxtaposes uh, the story that he told previously, to Mary. And what did Mary do in this story? Mary slowed down. Uh, Mary stopped even, and she sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to him, took it all in. Now, these two encounters are here on purpose. So let's pick up in this next story, Luke 10, 38 through 42, verse 38. Now, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to all that Jesus was saying. She took it all in. Now, if you'll notice, Martha felt what probably many of us feel in this moment if something like this were to happen. Martha felt pressure to do that which was urgent rather than to do that which was most important. Mary was hanging on every word of Jesus, sitting at his feet, taking in the words of her Lord and listening to him. And Martha was thinking, I don't have time for this. There's things to get done. I mean, Jesus is here for crying out loud. He expects me to have the house in order. He expects me to prepare the food. I want to make sure it's all done right and it's all done with care and it's all done with love. All very good intentions, Martha, let the urgency, the busyness, the rush, overwhelm the importance of simply sitting and listening at the feet of Jesus. Um, Many of us do this in our everyday lives. Many of us know what we should be doing. Many of us know what the Lord has called us to. Many of us know that God longs to hear from his children, that God uh, longs for us to sit at his feet and for him to encourage us, for him to fill our hearts and minds with his word through prayer, through just resting with God. But we fill our lives with all these other pressing, urgent things because there's all these voices screaming around us that need our help of this needs to be done, that needs to be done, and we busy ourselves with the urgent and we miss the most important. Dallas Willard, uh, a great author, philosopher, theologian, he was once asked to describe Jesus in one word. Um, And he thought for a moment, and uh, he responded with the word, and the word that he chose, the one word he chose to describe Jesus was relaxed. Um, I think that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. Uh, that's a very insightful um, response. That is not probably the word that I would have chosen, certainly. Uh, when, if someone were to ask you, describe Jesus in one word, what word would you put in there? Dallas Willard says, relaxed. And the point here is when you think about Jesus is he's never in a hurry. Um, He's never being rushed to the next thing. In fact, even when people press him and say, "Uh, so-and-so is dying, you need to get there as quickly as possible. He'll just stay back in that town and wait a few days and he's just always on his own time. He's never rushed. He's never pressed to the next thing. He's never anxious. He's never stressed out. Can you imagine a stressed out Jesus? Can you imagine a stressed out, on the edge Jesus? Right? No, he's not ever like that. The New Testament never depicts Jesus like this. A stressed out Jesus would have valued Martha's rushing about, her anxious heart, her accomplishing all of these things, but that's not what Jesus does. That's not how he responds. Listen to what Martha says to Jesus. This is remarkable. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. That can be you and I very easily. And she went up to him, went up to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. I find this um, comical. It's it's like she's tattling on her sister. This is exactly what my kids do when I ask them to go clean up and one of them isn't pulling their weight. I hear about it almost instantaneously. Mom, Dad, so-and-so isn't helping, right? We hear about this all the time. This is what Martha's doing. She was frustrated that her sister is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Meanwhile, she's pulling all the weight and doing all the work. She was distracted with so much serving. And now she looks at her sister and she's like, this isn't fair. Jesus, tell my sister to help me out When we clutter our lives and fill them with busyness and we fill them with distractions, when we fill them with more and more plates to keep spinning in the air, making sure they're balanced just right, I think we find it difficult to engage in the most important things in life. And instead, we shift all of our focus on the urgent things that are right here in front of us. And I think Jesus wants us to understand, and Jesus wants us as God's children and God's people to be people that have some space in our lives, that understand what is most important, um, that focus on the important, not just the urgent, see this spiritual discipline if you want to call it or this rhythm in our life or this sort of spiritual disposition of slowing down strives to strip away a lot of the distractions that most of us focus on so that we can we can see and we can rest in that which is most important and that is sitting at the feet of Jesus hearing from him receiving mercy, being people that as we're living our lives and walking down the road, we can notice the person in great need of God's mercy and we can step in as God's people and help. Martha was distracted by all that was around her. Right? Have you ever had these thoughts or have you ever said this out loud? Well, you know, the house doesn't clean itself. The food doesn't prepare itself. Someone's got to get to work. Verse 41, this is Jesus's response. The Lord answers her, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled. He calls out the disposition of her heart. You're anxious and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. This is such a profound shift in thinking. It's such a profoundly different way to live. Jesus looks at this overwhelmed, anxious, stressed out woman settling for the urgent and missing out on what's most important. That was Jesus right there. Jesus sees these many things that are robbing her of the reality of worshiping and connecting with God. And Jesus goes on and he looks at her and says, Martha, know this, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The good portion. I love that word picture. Mary has chosen the good portion. Church, in this season, and even when this season that we find ourselves in is finally over, Right now and in the days ahead, we have a choice to make as God's children. Uh, to, to, To either choose to busy ourselves and distract ourselves and fill our lives with the anxiousness that so easily takes over our hearts and minds, or build into our lives rhythms of slowing down, Even stopping altogether like Mary and sitting at the feet of Jesus, that is the better portion, Jesus says. At the feet of Jesus is where our anxiety melts away. At the feet of Jesus is where we have space to receive the mercy of God. At the feet of Jesus, when we stay there, is when we walk about our lives into our neighborhoods, into the places that we work is where we would actually notice those that are in great need of mercy and have time to go and help to be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. I think about it like this, um, this idea of margin. Now, margin is essentially just kind of the, the blank spaces on the edges. It's the, it's the fringes, it's the edges that have nothing in them. When you're reading a book, uh, margin is essentially all the white space that's against the black writings of the words and letters. It's the margins around the outside, it's the white space. And it's that white space and it's the margins and it's the white between the words that give the words meaning on the page. If an author just put from top to bottom with no spaces and no margins, just word after word after word after word and filled it to the brink, what would happen in that book as you tried to read it? The meaning would be lost without margin, there's no meaning. So that's the whole point. When you think about that, even in terms of our own lives, fitting more and more and more and more into the margins of our lives in hopes that it produces more productivity and better results, actually, in the the midst of that, we lose meaning. We lose what we're supposed to be doing. We lose focus on that which is most important. Meaning is lost. And so, church, let's be careful not to just stuff more and more and more and more into the margins of our lives, but let's listen to the words of Jesus as we look at Mary, that she chose the good portion. She slowed down, she stopped. She wanted to hear from her Lord. So this discipline, this way of living, uh, this discipline of slowing down, of even stopping if necessary, uh, it requires something that's really hard for a lot of us to do. And it requires us saying no to create space. And saying no creates that white space because The solution is not, God, give me more hours in my day. The solution to finding rest, to redeeming rest, is to creating the space that we need, creating that margin, so that when we encounter that person that's in desperate need of mercy, we have the space to stop and to help and to point them to Jesus. Slowing down allows you to sit at the feet of Jesus and find true meaning in him and not being always anxious and busy and frenzied. C.S. Lewis uh, said it like this. He said, who you are in an interruption is really who you are. That's a very convicting statement. Meaning, what happens in your heart when you're interrupted, what happens in your language when you get interrupted, what happens when your plan is interrupted, and how you react is really who you are. Because it's whatever is inside of you is just coming out. And Jesus is saying to you and I this morning to slow down, to put some rhythms in your life where you're able to say no so that you don't fill every single space of margin that exists when things get quote-unquote back to normal, that you would have space to hear from the Lord Jesus. That even if you're interrupted, it doesn't ruin you. You can take an interruption and you could say, the Lord's doing something right now. And he can even be present in the moment of an interruption. Jesus was interrupted constantly. And he never seems very bothered by it. Jesus is saying to us, notice the person that needs mercy and go to them. Take time for the important things, God's word, prayer, loving our neighbor. Even maybe in this season, parents, let your kids interrupt you. when just listen. There's an exercise of slowing down. Um, Rather than quickly just correcting them, uh, just listen. God may be teaching you something. So church, let's find rest in Jesus. And as we conclude, I want you to listen to these words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, where he describes for us what life is like when we come to him. What life is like when we abide in Him, when we are with Him. Listen to these words. Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden, is light. Church, Jesus is not impressed by our anxious, stressed out activity that never stops. He wants to save you from it. He wants you to find meaning and stillness and rest in him. And he wants us to be able to show mercy to others and receive mercy from him. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would do a work in each of our lives. God, forgive us um, for so many times behaving like Martha and just being frenzied and stressed and anxious and going from one thing to the next and missing the good portion. God, I pray that you would still us, that you would slow us down, that you would allow margin, in our lives that we wouldn't just fill it up with every single letter that we can find. Lord, allow that space to produce something in us and that is a people that sit at your feet and choose the good portion. And God, would you do a profound work in and through us because you are pouring out your mercy on us and we are hearing from you. Lord, thank you that you are never bothered when we interrupt you. And so, God, I pray that you would teach us patience, that you would teach us to be present in the moments of life when those around us need us, and that you would help us give grace to those that need it the most. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.